so good to see you all. I'm, I'm just so giddy about what just what Jesus is doing. Uh, it's just been such a sweet week of these, of like just seeing the church just practice and, and just come together. Oh, I'm excited. I hope you're excited. Uh, I'm also excited because I love meeting with Jesus in the Bible. So if you have your Bible, please open it now to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Uh, we're going to finish the chapters today. We're going to start in verse 12. Before we do that, though, let me uh, just highlight a few things that are going to come up. One is tomorrow night and the next uh, in the month of February. And the first is a baptism class. And so if you are a follower of Jesus, if he's your Savior, and you just found yourself loving and listening and worshiping him, but you haven't been baptized, uh, you should probably do that. Because that's one of the first things he calls you to do to identify with him and others in the church. And so that class is tomorrow night. You can find all the webs all the information on the website. If you've just become a Christian in the last few like days or weeks, uh, baptism is just a really next step for you. So just come to the class. Uh, you can sign up there. Other thing I want to tell you about is our members class. So we have a members class. Uh, being a member at the shore is simply about saying, I'm all in with where God has me, and I want to use my gifts, and I want to understand what is the mission of the church? But right now, I want to learn more. So members class is just teaching you who we are. Uh, you know, what is the church? Like, what makes the Shore Church, that specific local congregation, different than other ones? And, and it's just a place for you to just hear our heart, how we do leadership, how we, how we think, our philosophy of ministry. And just so, if you've been kind of like on the outskirts of the Shore, but you go, I feel like this is my church, I want to encourage you to become a member. Um, and just, uh, yeah, come to that class. It's a two-night class because it's on Zoom. And so if you can make it to both, we'll record both. And so if you can't make it to one for a different reason, we can get you a copy of both. But I encourage you to come to that. All right. So here's what I want to do. I actually want to begin this morning with uh, the goal in mind. And so I want to read you the last verse in our passage. And, and I want us to kind of have this, uh, you know, finishing line in mind as we go through the points um, and so, but let me just, before we read the first verse, just really quickly highlight the context. So if, you're, if you're jumping right in, this is your first time in, Paul's, wrote, Paul's written a letter to a church in Corinth where after he left, a bunch of other super self-appointed apostles came in and they started just boasting about their rhetoric, boasting about their teaching, some of it false. And they were putting Paul in a place of like, he's not really, you know, speaking on behalf of God, we're better Look at how great we are. They were just commending themselves. And so he's being undermined. And so he has to write uh, into this, which is tricky. If you're going to write into this and you don't want to boast about yourself. Um, but let me just show you the finishing line. So that's the context. Of, and that will make more sense as we read the passage. But look at verse 18. And I want to show it to you in a few translations. But here's, here, here it is in ours. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved but the one whom the Lord commends. Another translation translates that verse. Those who praise themselves are not accepted. Those the Lord praises are accepted. Another version, it isn't the person who makes his own recommendation who receives approval, but the person whom the Lord recommends. And then the message, which is the transliteration, uses that last sentence. It's what God says about you that makes the difference. And so, this is the goal in mind. Now, with that, let me, let me read the entire passage, and then we'll pray and dive into it. So, 
Here it is. Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves. He says, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. But we will not boast beyond limits, but will boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us to reach even to you. For we are not overextending ourselves as though we did not reach you, for we were the first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you might be greatly enlarged, so that we might preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another areas of influence. Let the one who boasts Boast in the Lord, for it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Let me pray. Father, we just, we really just love just being present with you. We love your word. Lord, I just think as the psalmist says, open our eyes that we may behold beautiful things. I pray for a healing today just that would get us out of the comparison trap as we ended last week and those who were here we find ourselves a lot of times just comparing ourselves to others and we want to be free and I and I believe that you're present today to really help us come out of this by the power of your word and so we just we pray that this this wouldn't be information, but that as your word says, it is living and active. That it would, it would pierce, it would cut. We would, we would be changed by this sermon and by these scriptures. And and I pray you would help us see where you're calling us to boast. And what does it mean to boast in the Lord? And I just, yeah, fill us, Lord. Thank you for this morning already. My heart is full. And so, Holy Spirit, would you please just use my gifts? In Jesus' name, amen. All right, let me tell you where we're going. We're going to look at two markers and then the finishing line, but I kind of phrase them differently, and I'll tell you why I phrase them this way. But here's the three points. Number one, help me out of the trap of comparison. It's like, help me get out of the trap of comparison. Number two, is all boasting bad? We're going to ask, is all boasting bad? And then we're going to get to the finishing line, which is living for his praise alone. Okay, so that's where we're going. Number one, help me out of the trap of comparison. I specifically phrased it this way because if this is you and we ended last week together talking about, you know, making a list of what are the things I compare myself and why. uh, If this is you, I kind of want this to be your prayer right now. That is, as we read, you're doing so with this anticipation and posture towards the Father that's saying, okay, help. I need your help. I'm, I'm ready. You tell me how to help, and I'm in. All right, so help me out of the trap of comparison. To give us a hopeful grid, um, we, get, we gave this book away to all of our uh, ministry leaders maybe three summers ago, but listen to how Keller describes a life out of comparison. This is in his book, Freedom of Self-Forgetfulness. He writes this, friends, wouldn't you want to be a person who does not need honor nor is afraid of it? Someone who does not lust for recognition, nor, on the other hand, is frightened to death of it. Don't you want to be the kind of person who, when they see themselves in a mirror or reflected in a shop window, 
does not admire what they see, but does not cringe either. And wouldn't you like to be the type of person who, in their imaginary life, does not sit around fantasizing about hitting self-esteem home runs, daydreaming about success that gives them the edge over others? Or perhaps you tend to beat yourself up and be tormented by regrets. Wouldn't you like to be free of them? Wouldn't you like to be the skater who wins the silver and yet is thrilled about those three triple jumps that the gold medal winner did? To love it the way you love a sunrise? Just to love the fact that it was done. For it not to matter whether it was their success or your success, not to care if they did it or you did it, you are as happy that they did it as if you had done it yourself because you're just so happy to see it. And all of us said, yes, yes. So help me out of the trap of comparison. Well, one of the beautiful things about this book and this letter is that Paul has been pulling the thread of the gospel throughout. He's, he's declaring your new creation. The verdict is in on your life. The issue of your value settled at the cross. Paul says we, we no longer live for us, but Christ who died and gave himself for us. That we are new creations in Christ Jesus. And that we, we're ambassadors now, that we have, we're, we're free. So let me just say, the starting point out of the comparison strap, trap is still the gospel. It's the gospel. It's beholding, as Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4, the glory of God in the face of Jesus. The way to, 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 to get out of the trap is to pull in the thread of the gospel, that, that you're loved and you're forgiven. And this morning, what's so cool is that from the place of working from favor, not for favor, Paul sees the area of influence that God's given him is enough. He's not going to go beyond it. He's not going to boast around it. And so there's a, there's, a, there's a secret here for us, which is so cool, in how we get out of our trap. So let me, just, let me just read that, and we'll continue to pull the gospel thread. But look at verse 12. It says, Not that we dare to classify or compare ourselves with some of those who are commending themselves, but when they measure themselves by one another and compare themselves with one another, they are without understanding. Now, now how? Listen to what he says. But we will not boast beyond limits. Watch this. But will boast only, only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. Now, with the context in mind, he's critiquing the fact that the, they were taking credit for what Paul was doing in Corinth. They were boasting beyond their limits. But notice the first way out of this trap of comparison is to determine that you won't boast beyond limits. I mean, look at verse 13. But we will not boast beyond limits. So comparison, in other words, it looks at others' God-given sphere of influence, and it looks at what's being handed to them by God and says, I, I, I want that. What I have is not enough, God. I don't like my area of influence. You know, if I had their influence, if, if I had their reach, if I had their voice, their body, their finances, how they speak, if I had their spouse, their ministry, their fruit, their calling, and, and comparison trap, comparison trap. See, when you focus too much on what others are stewarding and how they are doing, what you do is you choose to jump into the hamster wheel of comparison. And, and you, 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 you're, you're coming out of the area of influence given to you, 
and you're wanting the area of influence given to them from God. Does that make sense? So Paul's ability to not jump into the hamster wheel of comparison was to choose. He says, I choose to go no farther than the area of influence God's assigned to me. And I can just tell you from my personal experience how often I am too focused on what he's not doing or where he's not going that I miss the current assignment and enjoyment and calling in front of me. Okay, I really want us to see this. So look with me again. We're going to go a little slower, and I, wanna, I don't want to escape from this point. But we will not boast. Look at this, verse 13. might be on the screen. But we will not boast beyond limits, but we'll boast only with regard to the area of influence God assigned to us. So he says, we choose to limit our boasting only to the measure of work. We, we hit that. To reach even to you. He's like, we planted this church. For we are not overextending ourselves, so we did not reach you. For we were first to come all the way to you with the gospel of Christ. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. So we're not trying to take credit for the ministry done by others. And that's the key. So here's what I want to say. On a, on a positive side, this means we need to do the hard work of receiving the area of influence given to us by the Father. Is instead of comparing... And, and overanalyzing where God's not taking me yet. Just receive the area of influence that you've been given. Because again, if you're comparing, you're doing it because you don't love where you're standing. You think it'd be better there, right? The grass is always leaner. Now, um, when I was studying this on Monday, I, I really sensed God wanted to heal and, and journey with you and you're becoming like him in, in specifically two bad fruits. Uh, two bad fruits you see a lot mentioned by Paul in Scripture in letters written to the churches, and that's jealousy and resentment. So, so at root, you're being pushed into comparison from jealousy and resentment. So let me explain. Until you stop resenting your spouse, you will never get free from comparison. Until you stop, until I stop resenting maybe having a bigger church or whatever it is in ministry, I won't be free from comparison. I won't be free. And until you stop resenting your disappointment with life or, or, or you'll always be comparing. Until you stop resenting your limitations you're always going to be comparing. Jealousy and resentment are sins to be repented of. In, in, in James, we read this, but if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, what's the word? Do not boast. We're talking about boasting. Do not, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly it's unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exists, there will be disorder in every vile practice. So here's what I think. I believe, I believe Jesus is here today with a deep love, with no shame in his eyes, gentle and lowly. And he's saying to you, do you want to release resentment to me? Do you want to release that jealousy 
And, it, and like he did with the man at the pool of Bethesda, he asked this question in John 5, do you want to be healed? And what I got on Monday was the sense that resentment for some of us have become a friend. A friend because it makes us feel. We're getting our value from the resentment we're feeling rather than bringing it to where it should go, and that's at the foot of Jesus. And so Jesus right now, he's inviting you to bring resentment, bring jealousy to the foot of the cross where he died for that. Now, um, what came to my mind on Monday is that for some of you, the resentment is, is really specific towards your mom. I don't know who this is for, but you compare yourself to others and the reason you do is because you're rebelling from a resentment from your mom. And you don't need to hold on to that. You don't have to. You can give it to Jesus and say, I, I resent her for this. Just say that to him. I resent her for this. And I'm now going to surrender that to you. And just ask the Father to come and heal that. And he loves you, dear daughter. He loves you, dear son. Oh, Father, help us out of the trap of comparison. Listen, the choice is yours. If you want, you can stay where Paul's accusers are. But you only have two options if you're going to stay there. Number one, you're going to look at other people. And you're going to see, wow, they're more accomplished or they're greater in this, and, and you'll resent them. You'll resent them at work, you'll resent them in your family, you'll resent them in your ministry, you'll resent them, you'll resent them, you'll resent them, or you will feel really, really good that you're better than them because you're like, wow, look at, you know, like I, look at what I've done compared to my sibling, and look at what I've done compared to, and all you're doing is you're just on the hamster wheel. And uh, guess who gets recommend, guess who gets commendation on the hamster wheel? Someone other than God. And, and the finishing line is that your commendation is already settled at the cross, but the commendation for a life lived for God has to come from God. You know? So if you're still looking for the verdict, just get to the cross because it's there. And if you're still working for favor and not from favor and for acceptance, not from acceptance... You just got to go back to the gospel. Go back into his presence. You'll never be able to look at others' areas given by God the way you do a sunset. That's the goal. Because you're just so happy to see it. Okay, so when do we boast? If that's, you know, the first one, like, help me out of the trap of comparison... And by the way, that's a journey. But it begins, it begins at the cross. But, but so what is, is all, number two, is all boasting bad? Is all boasting bad? Um, verse 15, we do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others, but our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged. Let me read that verse again. I think I, I, I felt like I just went too fast that some of that first point just needed to sit. So let me take a drink. 
and then we'll read it again. We should probably just end the sermon right there, you know? But we're not, we're not going to. Okay. So when do we boast? That's a good question. When do we boast? It's a good, everyone should feel like that's an okay question to ask. Is all boasting bad? So listen to what Paul says. We do not boast beyond limit in the labors of others. But our hope is that as your faith increases, our area of influence among you may be greatly enlarged so that we may preach the gospel in lands beyond you without boasting of work already done in another's area of influence. Now, let me just stop there. They're doing that. They're taking credit for what Paul did. D.A. Carson, he aptly says, little men can be dangerous, especially when they position themselves in such a way as to capture some stolen glory from great men. Let me ask you this. Have you ever taken credit for someone else's work in a ministry or in someone else's progress in like, you know, a disciple's life or a friend's godliness? Or were you just like, you know, it really wasn't you, but you kind of came in last minute and you were like, man, I, you know, and, and you just began to like bring that disciple not closer into Jesus' presence, but in you If so, you can just repent of that, give that to God, you're forgiven. But vice versa, have you ever experienced that? And this is what he was going under, but I just, I think for us, I want you to see the vision of Paul's heart. While they're obsessed about their gifts, while they're obsessed about, you know, their, their reach and their progress, and look at what we've done to you, Corinthians church, he's like, man, I'm, I need to keep reaching the loss, I hope that the fruit that I preached here just keeps going, because I'm going for more of the unreached I want to I see more people meet Jesus. He almost says the same thing in Romans 15, 20. It'll be on the screen. I'll skip down to verse 20. And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. Uh, if I could just pull this into 2021, our best estimate is that, you know, uh, anthropologists, is the right, I guess that's right, yeah. They, they have found global-wide, including, you know, different kinds of people groups within even similar states in Africa and different places, there are about 11,000 people groups on planet Earth. So 2021, 11,000 people groups on planet Earth, over 6,500 are unreached. Meaning, right now, as we... Take a breath. There are 6,500 who don't have a community, a substantial church in their village, in their area, where they might not even meet a Christian. There might be a Christian in the area, but they might not meet them. And it's just a big deal. that The urgency of our Bible is the same urgency today. And I, I just, I, I want to say, if you've ever had a reoccurring sense, I want to go to a specific country and bring the gospel to a specific people, that's the Father's heart. And I just, don't waste your, don't waste that. It Just go spend your life for the unreached people groups. So is all boasting bad? I haven't even answered the question, but is all boasting bad? Paul's answer will come a lot more even next week, the next two weeks. But for today, the answer is certainly no. 
not all boasting is bad. So what's boasting is good? Well, boast, if you're boasting in the Lord, that's good boasting. He's like, if you're bragging on Jesus, what, what he's like, that's really good. How loving and wonderful Jesus is, that's good boasting. Um, you know, that's worship. It's, it's, it's you're making him, the deficiency of him, the, the salvation he brings, the, the friendship you have, that's boasting. If, now, here's what's interesting. Paul, because he, the Old Testament is for today and it's fulfilled in the person of Jesus, He's actually quoting from a passage in the Old Testament from Jeremiah 9. Now, I want to take us there because um, I want you to hear and feel the kind of boast from the Father. Because he, Paul, you know, despite everyone feeling like, well, he's strong in person, he's got to call stuff out, he has such a shepherd's heart. And listen to the, the scripture he's quoting. So he says this, Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But if you want to boast, but let him who boasts brag in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who practices steadfast love, justice. That means making wrong things right, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight, declares the Lord. I think by pulling in that Jeremiah passage, he's just, he's, he's saying, man, remember what you encountered when I brought the gospel with you. You didn't just understand cognitively that Christ died and rose. You, he, he came into your life and you were made new. This word know, it means experience. It literally, if you look it up, it means experience knowing. It, it speaks of encounter, of, of intimacy. So it's like, let him who boasts, boast in their experiencing of my presence. As they're experiencing my steadfast love and doing justice and righteousness. I mean, it just, when it comes into you, you just have this resolve to not have anything in the way that, and yes, we have the flesh. Yes, we have struggles with sin, but just this, I want to be in his presence. I, I think he's like, you know, being with Jesus, knowing him in a personal way where he's with you, and he, you know, and, and when that happens, you won't have in you, Corinthian church, this like weird you know, I want to self-promote myself. When you're in his presence and you know him and you know his love, it's the, the last fruit from that is, you know, like, oh, look at me and I'm better than who, no, no, no. You know, he says in his first letter to them, knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. He says, if anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not yet know as he ought to know. So how do, how do you know, Look, verse 3, but if anyone loves God, he is known by God. So having an intentional space to be with Jesus is different than actually practicing being with Jesus. Having an intention is different than actually doing it, 
you know? And I, I, let me just say this. I think the, the hunger in many of us right now, especially when we're like more restrictions, more restrictions, that hunger in your soul is a hunger for community, and it's beautiful. And I think, oh, man, I want to say a few things about that in a second. But I just, it, it, it is a hunger within you for a training of intimacy. It's a hunger for in you to not only just get time in the Word, but within this Word, meet with the person of Jesus. It's, it's a call for us to uh, experience a deeper a love where you're not rushing through, but, but really going, how do I find the space to practice being with? I mean, if you think about it, how do you, how do you get intimacy with people? You go for long walks with them, and you, you pause, and, you, and you, you put it in your calendar, and you say, okay, we'll meet from, you know, 12 to 1. Where do you want to, we can Zoom. It's, and now if you're here, and you're listening, and you're thinking, you know what, James? I hear that, I read that, I feel that, but I'm just, I'm not going to do it. I'm, I'm not going to find real space in my week <clears throat> to practice being with Jesus. If you're just, just going to say it, because you might as well just say it if you're not going to do it. But I'm going to tell you the good news. The good news is Jesus waits patiently, ready. Like, he's not going anywhere. Jesus has made up his mind. He wants to be with us, so he'll be there. So that's the good news. But can I say this? Can you imagine, you know, a whole church of people who are boasting in their enjoyment of Jesus? Can you imagine being in a church where, like, when you came together, there was this, like, this, wow, we were all with him. Like, this, that would be really exciting. You know, it'd be like, this is going to be electricity in here. Like, this is going to be really exciting. Where we come together to build one another up. Where, where the body life becomes this, oh, okay, this is, you know, because let me say this. I encounter God, and this is true, and you'll know this is true when I finish the sentence. I encounter God as much and even more when I'm encountering his active grace and his presence flowing through you. Oh, Yeah. I encounter God through you. When I'm with the elders, I encounter God. When I'm with my wife, I encounter, we encounter God through one another. His love isn't just an individualistic YouTube, your Bible up the mountain sermon love. It is a community love. And we need one another. You know, we have to remember every time we, we, we preach through any letter in Scripture, the letters are written to the church. This is, a, this is an individual call. I mean, this is a community call, not an individual call. Um, and I love that. You see this in this text where Paul says, uh, and, and this is what I, I pray for us, that the, our faith increases so that our area of influence among the North Shore would be greatly enlarged. Amen. Okay, our third point will be really short because because Paul just keeps going in this in this line of thinking but here's the finish line uh, are you living 
for his praise. Whose praise are you living for? Look at verse 18. For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. It's, how do I say it? I'll say it this way. We're living in such a culture where the new intolerance isn't your you're right or wrong, or I'm right or wrong, it's uh, I celebrate you, you celebrate me. So unless you celebrate and support me, you're intolerant. And what's so tough in that is that Jesus welcomes the sinner. The, 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 The pressure from your world right now is gain the commendation of social media. Gain the commendation of your neighbor. Gain the commendation of your non-Christian sibling. Gain, 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 gain. And, um, you know, Jesus said, they will hate you because they hated me first. Not for being obnoxious. Jesus was the most loving truth in present. He was the most gentle accepting person but who did he ultimately live for the father and as we live for the praise of the father we seek the commendation from the father and there will be things you will speak into with great love where the world will not commend you and you need to be ready for that sure For it is not the one who commends himself who is approved, but the one whom the Lord commends. Let me ask you this question, and then we'll close here. Whose commendation is most thrilling in your soul? Whose well done actually lights you up the most? There's only one that counts. There's only one that can really give you life and really satisfy you and really fill you with love and peace. And it's Jesus. You know, it'll be the well done, good and faithful servant. So as we, as we close, and band, you can come up. I can, you guys can come up. Um, I, oh, I don't know how to say this, but I think there comes a point in time in your own maturity where we stop just reading it and we start doing it, you know, where we just go, okay, if he spoke, I, o- I obey. There just has to come a point in our walk with Jesus where if, he, if he's convicting us of something, we obey him. And I just, I love being a part of the shore. What's really, really hard right now is not being together. But I think he has us in these seasons right now because he's, 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 he's forming a healthy body. 
and, he, and he's forcing us to drown out the noise and get this relational Jeremiah 9, knowing him. And I just want to say, if you're here today, and um, you're not sure if you're going to be with Jesus forever. In fact, you're listening and you're like, I don't know if I know him like that. I want you right now, I want you just to, where you're at, however you, wherever you are, is just, just give your life to Jesus. If you haven't given your life to Jesus, if you haven't asked him to forgive you of your sin and to come in and give you his new life, you can ask him right now. You can believe that he really did come and live the life you should have lived, that on the cross, he bore the penalty for your sin, and he rose to give you his new life. There, there will be no injustice in God's court. And our only ground for right standing before God and truly being free from comparison and guilt and alienation is Jesus Christ. Grab the hold by faith. And so I encourage you encourage you just if you haven't become a christian to trust in him today to say come into my life i'm yours and do that do that and get baptized come to the class tomorrow let me pray Father, I just, I thank you that you've given us texts like this where you invite us to examine, and, and it'll be more in the next few weeks, you, you invite us to examine our hearts and not with like shame, not with any like, you know, uh, like where you're where you're ready to slap our hands, but you're ready to just put your hand out and pull us into further intimacy with you. And just pray as you, you pull us up or out of that hamster wheel, we would just feel your embrace, we would feel your love, we would feel that we don't have any boast and we don't wanna, we don't wanna boast in anything but in that we know you. Pray that knowing you would be the highest affection of our life. That being with you, you the first commandment in Scripture to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind would be the passion of the shore. And from that love, we would just love our neighbors. God, heal resentment this morning. Heal it. In Jesus' name. Heal jealousy in Jesus' name. God, help us to carry it to the cross and repent of sin. And if there's other sin right now that you're bringing to the surface, may we carry that to the cross. It's forgiven. But may we repent and say, I no longer need this. I no longer want to carry this. We ask Jesus that you would just fill us with 
us sweet contentment wherever you have us to be fully representing your presence wherever you want us to go. And I do want to pray a bold prayer. I want to ask Jesus that if there's someone who's called by you to the unreached people groups, would this sermon really feel warm? Would they feel like flutters of the presence of the warmth of God's calling? And may they just say, yeah, I'll go. In Jesus' name, amen.